you are listening to Kubernetes Bytes, a podcast bringing you the latest from the world of cloud-native data management. My name is Ryan Walner, and I'm joined by Bob and Shaw, coming to you from Boston, Massachusetts. We'll be sharing our thoughts on recent cloud-native news and talking to industry experts about their experiences and challenges managing the wealth of data in today's cloud-native ecosystem. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening wherever you are. We're coming to you from Boston, Massachusetts. Today is August 31st, 2022. Hope everyone is doing well and staying safe. Let's dive into it. Last day of August, I, I almost said summer. It feels like the last day of summer, but it's still plenty yeah, don't warm say out, plenty of yeah. sun. I'm not ready for, for summer to be over, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm in denial right now. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> although, the, although the pumpkin spice lattes are coming out in full storm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just not quite there yet when it comes yeah, and to like full disclosure. I am not a big fan of pumpkin spice. Like, eh, yeah, I don't know. I, like, okay, go ahead and judge me there. people. <laughs> I don't think you're alone there. I think it's a kind of overrated. It can be good, but yeah, no pumpkin pie all for it. Everything else yeah. flavored. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a I have a trip coming up um uh, going to Vermont for like 5 or 6 days. Oh nice. Doing uh, a bunch of camping up in the Green Mountains, um off-roading, motorcycle uh, adventure riding kind of a thing um with like 10 or so people just for like 3 or 4 nights and it's going to be a blast. I I feel like that's my last like trip of my summer and then uh-huh. i'm gonna dive back into things you know come fall season when it comes to when it comes to this world we you know how fall conference season really comes mm-hmm. in course. <laughs> what about you uh i i just came back from a trip right like uh, last week I, I was out at glacier national park uh it is so beautiful like Man, it's just next level. Like it became my favorite national park. Like Yosemite oh, wow. was there, like, and it stood the competition of like Zion and others. But Glacier is like, nope, nope, yeah, this is it. Wow. Like, <laughs> yeah, like the hikes, the the mountains, and the the weather was perfect, right? It was not too sunny. Uh, it was supposed to rain, but it didn't. And it was just that hazy, cloudy weather. You can see the mountains. You can do your hikes in cold, cool weather, and it was yep. perfect. Man, yeah. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. So top of the list for you, huh? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'll I'll share some pictures uh with you and and maybe on Twitter as well. But yeah, it, You've it been was traveling great. a lot. Yeah. I mean, you're traveling right now. So <laughs> yep, in San Francisco, like back on the West Coast. Like I don't know. I went back. Why I went back to the East Coast after Montana? But uh, that's how I think PTO and uh, conference planning works out for me. I'm not that good at like making those continuous trips. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Sometimes even if it's a few days at home, it, it makes a difference. Uh, mm-hmm. At least uh, you me. can do your laundry, for example. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. All right. Well, um, you know, today's show is going to be all about GitOps. Uh, it's just Bob and I. We're going to be digging into sort of what is it and and sort of going through some of the tools and sort of philosophy behind it. But um, before we do that, let's go through our cloud native uh, news. Why don't you kick us off, Bob? Yeah. So like, I think for me, 
this last couple of weeks, the last week was like really low on news. I know we had like 1.25 and you want to talk about it. But uh, for me, uh, I found like a couple of interesting articles that people can read through and maybe bookmark. Like the first one of them was from a container journal and it just lists out all the different open source cloud native tools. So like it goes from uh, uh, it goes from CI/CD tools, it goes from security and compliance tools, observability tools, service mesh tools, like just everything, all the options that you have available to you. So if you are looking to add to your, uh, like, I don't know, add to your uh, different projects that you already use inside your enterprise or inside your organization, you have a list that's ready to go. It spans everything from storage to databases to container runtimes to streaming and messaging. So it's a full list. Uh, Again, they don't have details, but at least it gives you all the different options that are available for you. Uh, and then um, following along the trend of like 101, good to know information, uh, SBOM, like Sysdig did a, a good SBOM 101 or Software Bill of Materials 101. Uh, what What is it? Uh, how does it work? How you should be building one or how you should be asking one from a vendor? Uh, since a lot of us are using open source projects or using container images that we're just pulling down from some, from some registry, we don't even know. So it's always good to have an SBOM just in case uh, anything gets attacked or uh, any CVs or vulnerabilities come out and you need to verify that you're not impacted. So if you're trying to understand more about this new buzzword, which is SBOM, uh, just go read through it. it. It's a good article. Like it's it's a, uh, it's a at least a 10-minute read uh, for you. Uh, but yeah, that's a good link to to have. And then the final feature was in like the 1.25 release. Uh, spoiler alert, Ryan. I think 1.25 is out now. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. uh, and... <laughs> And I know like you'll talk more about it, but the the thing that I wanted to highlight was just CSI inline volumes. Uh, that became a thing that reached or graduated to general availability in the 1.25 release. I know the CSI inline volumes was something that was added as an alpha feature in 1.15 and beta in 1.16, but it allows you to have another option for ephemeral volumes. So I know we have used like config map uh, volumes and secret volumes and stuff like that. Uh, CSI inline volumes just allows you to create an ephemeral storage that follows your pod lifecycle, but from a CSI driver. So it's not your Kubernetes ecosystem, like it, it is your storage vendor, but it's just an ephemeral volume. So uh, you can, that, um, in, in, the, uh, in the link that we'll share in the show notes, uh, it does explain like when to use this feature. So, and when not to use this feature. So like, if you want to persist your data, don't get confused that, oh, this is CSI. So this will be like persistent across my pod restarts. No, this is ephemeral still, but it's an option for ephemeral volumes. But yeah, that's my, that's my list. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Absolutely. Yeah, that link you shared with a bunch of the cloud native tools, I think is super interesting, right? And it's not even a, a long read, but mm-hmm. it, it sort of takes the topic, um, high level sort of parts you're going to look at and sort of building a cloud native sort of stack anyway, you know, so 
for those who aren't reading it and listening, uh, scheduling and orchestration, observability, security, compliance, CICD, and then sort of dives into each one, which I think is um, sort of the way that you sort of come into looking at all the different spaces and sort of the persistent storage is all in, in cloud native database tools is where we live most of the time. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's there's always new things kind of cropping up. So um, yeah, I think really useful article there uh, and, and an easy read as well. So. Um, yeah, you know, 125 is out and I, and I put it in here, um, because I feel like we've been talking about it for the last three or four shows. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we've covered, I think what, 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 what's coming out in 125 and sort of what's relevant to community storage. So if you, if you want to know those things, go listen to the last few episodes, um, or we'll put a bunch of show links into, um, uh, a bunch of sort of recaps a, a lot of people do blogs and sort of shows about yep. getting all you need to know in, in new Kubernetes versions. We'll link those here. Um, but I did want to put it out because it is officially out now that we've been talking about it forever. Um, and one thing I think worth noting is they have in there, um, the change of, um, where you pull images from. So yep. um, that is now becoming a registry.kdes.io. Um, not to say that the old KDS GCR IO link will stop working. Of course, they wouldn't just cold turkey everybody <laughs> on, <laughs> on the release date. Um, that's going to still work, but they are encouraging people to switch over. Um, and and there's a couple links I'll put in the show here is why they went about doing that. And mm -hmm. part of that is uh, spreading the load across cloud providers. Um, yep. They're starting with AWS. Uh, you know, obviously the GCR link is a Google Cloud um, link, and so that's an effort to to spread that load. Um, and they've officially put that out, which I think um, was maybe um, missed in a lot of the what you need to know uh, mm -hmm. of, of podcasts and and even ours. I don't think we've talked about it yet. So yeah, yeah. worth noting. And and there's a lot of automation tools and scripting I know that goes around Kubernetes that may have those types of URLs in it for where you pull images. So go take a look at that. The second thing I put in here was a spotlight on SIG storage. So um, this is an interview with Xing Yang. Um, and, oh, previous uh, Kubernetes Bytes guest. Yeah, and Frederico. So we've had Xing Yang on the show, and, and it sort of takes you through a, a conversation about the state of the sort of um, storage and Kubernetes space, as well as the data protection working group. Um, it talks all about things like, you know, the CRDs and, and everything. It's a conversational, you can read it out. Um, Xing Yang was a great guest and has lots to say and has, you know, uh, always been very involved in this space. So go take a look at that spotlight on SIG storage. Um, and the last thing, which I thought was very appropriate for this show, is GitLab released 15.3, and all their GitOps features are free. So, um, you know, we'll be talking about what GitOps is, is, and maybe how you can go check that out and and maybe start using them if you don't know what GitOps is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so that that I'll put in there a little quick plug to GitOps, uh, GitLab. I mean, um, at least. So uh, that is it for Cloud Native News that we had. We'll put all those uh, links in the show notes and now we can dive into our our main topic without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies count on real-time product availability and fast delivery call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done. So uh, the topic again is GitOps. Um, 
I guess the natural place for uh, me to start a show like, about a topic like this is what does GitOps mean and what is GitOps, right? <laughs> um, and I'll throw this to you, I guess, first, and then we can both maybe give our own point of view on what GitOps yeah. is and, and maybe how we feel about it. Yep. Yeah. So GitOps, right? Uh, I think there's a lot of noise. It's difficult to find the signal. Uh, like if you look at the core definition, the principles, benefits, things that we'll talk about in this pod, uh, it, it is a very specific thing. But the way people talk about it, there is a lot of confusion between infrastructure as code and GitOps and uh, CICD. But just a one-liner, right? GitOps is a way to do uh, cl Kubernetes cluster management and application delivery. Or it is a way to use Git as your single source of truth for declarative infrastructure and your application stack. So it's just a way for you to use Git as that single source of truth and push your application and infrastructure code, store it there, and then uh, have your Kubernetes clusters uh, uh, run the latest version. So I, I don't know, that's maybe a, a, a three-liner, but yeah, that, that's my take. <laughs> three-liners are okay, I feel like. Yeah, I, you know, you, have, you make a good point in the fact that I think there's a lot of information about what GitOps is, and, mm -hmm. uh, and maybe that can be confusing, I think, going into GitOps from the start. And we're going to mm -hmm. try to do a little bit to help that notion of confusion in sort of discussing this in this podcast. Um, but I think... You know, I'll start with sort of my take. I yep. view GitOps as sort of a framework that takes best practices into play. And we'll talk about what those best practices are um, mm -hmm. and uses those to sort of really uh, develop sort of infrastructure automation um, and correctness using version control, right? And and Git yep. being the version control because it's in the name. Um, you know, Git is a big part of what this is. And we'll talk about, you know, if you're not familiar with Git, it's a big part of it. You really can't do GitOps without it. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it's more of a framework of best practices that we've developed over a period of time to deliver applications uh, and, and increase developer experience and things like that. So um, for me, right, it really falls into the category of a framework because uh, you can use all sorts of tools to make up what mm -hmm. GitOps means to you, right? And we'll, we also will talk about uh, the different tooling, but I think at a at a core, right, that's what it really means to yep. me. And maybe that's part of the, the confusion is that it can be a little nebulous of a term like most terms. I mean, so let's dive into <laughs> sort of how how they relate to what we've done historically, right? Mm -hmm. Before GitOps came along in 2017 um, with Kubernetes, we we had a huge DevOps movement, right? And and you know just to show that these terms are so similar, uh, it's because they are very related, right? Um, DevOps is a big part of sort of how we got to a place where we could uh, really dig into something like GitOps, right? And DevOps is more of a philosophy, a culture, again, best practices with tools, right? Things like um, making sure that you use CICD pipelines and, mm -hmm. um, you know, you're, you're focusing on the delivery pipeline of building, testing, and releasing with, you know, different tools and automations and getting that feedback loop right back to the customers. And so these are sort of... Um, guiding principles and philosophies that um, an organization really needs to understand before they can really, I think, 
adopt something like GitOps? I mean, maybe you could do it if you if you weren't a DevOps shop, Bavin. Yeah. Do you think you could just come in and just do do GitOps? I think nope. that's the question I'm answering. <laughs> <myself>. <laughs> no, I think uh, you're right, right? Like uh, like DevOps, even again another fuzzy term, but it it's the way to build applications, build modern applications, and make sure that you are releasing continuously, right? As you said, the customer feedback loop is important. Like you're pushing code out there, uh, you're using constructs like containers, Kubernetes, microservices to make sure that you can iterate faster on your applications, mm-hmm. uh, get them in front of your customer. And then if there are any issues with it, or if you want to add more features, just keep working on it, right? It, it's a continuous development loop rather than just following like a the, the older waterfall model that we had where it took like nine months to get any release out. So DevOps is like the first step. And, and like, I think infrastructure as code and GitOps and all of these things are just enablers, right? Like DevOps is a vision, like, okay, you want to get there. And then how do you actually push code to production? And that's where, things like infrastructure of code, as code and GitOps and everything can help you. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, and and historically, right, the reason we call it DevOps is because developers and operations teams were historically two siloed separate mm-hmm. things, right? And and it was very hard to communicate between them. Therefore, it took a lot of time to get things into production um, and deliver on an application, right? Historically, that's why we, you know, I guess coined DevOps and why it's been successful is really that speed and, 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 um, sort of reliability of having that type of framework and allowing companies to scale when they adopt those sorts of, um, continuous delivery and integration mechanisms. Right. Um, and then, as you said, infrastructure as code really sort of grew out of, Hey, you know, we're, we're, um, Focusing on a DevOps philosophy here in our organization, we're changing the culture to be DevOps. Well, how do we do that? Well, we do a lot of, you know, integration and automation. Well, how do we automate? Well, we we adopt something like infrastructure as code. And really, infrastructure as code is codifying exactly sort of what the state of something that you want uh, to be. So, you know, a lot of times the examples I use is things like Ansible and Puppet, um, which define you know, what a server looks like and how it's mm-hmm. configured in code, right? And yeah. that gets applied to sort of a resource such as a server and it gets um, it gets changed into that desired state. And that's a really important piece of understanding uh, GitOps is that core concept of infrastructure as code, right? That that core piece of there's, there's um, a declarative sort of um, programming language that uh, shows what your infrastructure looks like and you can apply that to your infrastructure um and to that de- and it becomes that desired state that's a big yep. piece and, of of what GitOps is yep and and infrastructure as code was a thing even before like people started using kubernetes right like things like puppet yeah. and chef i remember like 2013 2014 people were already using those uh in oh, yeah. production uh, there were these puppet cons. Uh, I think I attended one of those in North Carolina. But yeah, like the, there are there have been these tools that are available and people were using them to set up like physical servers, virtual machines, cloud instances. Like they they were able to, there were so many different providers for Ansible and, and Terraform uh, and, and Puppet that can like actually help you bring your infrastructure up. And since you wanted to add some agility even outside Kubernetes, you, ha- you used these 
uh, modules or templates or code to uh, make it repeatable, right? It, it is very difficult for humans to do a specific task over and over and over again without introducing errors. Uh, using something like infrastructure as code definitely helped you streamline some processes. Like you knew the end state of executing that command. You knew that, okay, once I run this playbook, this is what I'll get. And then I can deploy my application on top of it. So that's where infrastructure as code helped a lot of organizations modernize the way they deploy infrastructure stacks. It helped a lot of operations team out uh, because it covered everything from storage infrastructure to compute infrastructure. Even Cisco had a module, if I remember correctly, in my in, in my previous jobs, where like we could set, set up these infrastructure stacks and have them ready for uh, developers to come and deploy their application but that's where it stopped like that's where it it, it was right it wasn't uh like uh, the, like it wasn't using git as that single source of truth that we want to talk about in GitOps. it was it, it, you still used version control for your infrastructure as code uh scripts but uh, it, there wasn't a, a controller or something that was always checking and making sure uh, that your desired state matches your current uh, the current state. It was a one-time operation, like you can run it, and then if you run it again, it is item put in. So, like if it if it changed, uh, it will fix it, or if it's not, it it won't do anything. But that's where infrastructure as code stopped, and next came GitOps. Exactly. Uh, so, right. Yep. That's that's the I think a key point is that we had all these great tools, but a lot of times you still had sort of DevOps teams still running these things mm -hmm. uh, by hand or or maybe on a cron schedule or something yep. like that, where the sort of full life cycle and automation process of what the infrastructure as code was and to that desired state and how to keep it that way, that piece of the puzzle was the thing that's missing. So and and, and that does lead us to get up. So please. You know, yeah. So, uh, and like the way, the reason why GitOps came along and why it works is because Kubernetes is declarative as well, right? Kubernetes is that desired state engine. Once you ask Kubernetes to do something, you don't have to tell it like how to do certain things. Like you don't have to tell us like, okay, uh, tell it like, okay, this is how you deploy your deployments or pods. You just list out like, okay, this is how I want my application to be. This is how I want my, this is the container image I want to use and Kubernetes will make it so. So since Kubernetes had that declarative benefits, GitOps became a thing that, okay, now, like if we look at a very high level workflow, right, I can treat my application code and my infrastructure stack like as code and I can push both of these to different Git repositories and I can have hooks from like th there are a, uh, there are pull models and there are push models and we'll dive into those uh, in, 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 in a few minutes. But uh, using either of these terminologies or methodologies, uh, you can make sure that Kubernetes is always running the latest and greatest of your infrastructure and your application code. So that's what GitOps enables just by doing a simple Git push into your registry, running that CI pipeline, running that CD pipeline, maybe you can make sure that uh, your whatever is running on your Kubernetes cluster is always the latest and greatest or, or what you want it to be. And uh, there are some caveats and gotchas, like things that you shouldn't do when you're using GitOps. But in an ideal world, I would say like, that's it, like Git push to having your infrastructure at, at the version that you want it to be. That's GitOps. Yeah, I think so. And, and, you know, we'll dive into sort of what the principles of GitOps is. Mm -hmm. I think that'll probably help you take it even a step further to break it down for those who are still wondering, well, I still don't fully understand. <laughs> it. Um, but before we, we do that, right, GitOps really sort of came into this sort of market um, along with Kubernetes. And that's, I think, a big reason why we're talking about mm -hmm. it is because a lot of people who are managing, you know, Kubernetes 
clusters or you know on a DevOps team that you know really has a stack built around uh, cloud native technologies and and Kubernetes are probably um, either thinking about GitOps or using GitOps right these days um, and <laughs> yeah. and or you know um, you know making sure that they're moving towards that direction just because it's becoming sort of um, a standard way to be able to manage. Um, your Kubernetes infrastructure, and, and that's because, right? Everything is um, everything in Kubernetes is very codified. Uh, there's a lot of YAML. There's a lot of mm -hmm. tools that easily let you spin up Kubernetes, and all that can be defined in code and files, YAML files, lots of YAML files. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, and put in a, a place in a version control like Git to really. Um, maintain that single source of truth. And that's the biggest right part. And and I think why we're spending a lot of time on here. And um, I think a lot of the reasons because it's 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 one of the first two principles that we're going to be talking about. So why don't we dive into uh, the GitOps principles, Bobby? Yep, yeah. So the, the very first principle that uh, GitOps has is declarative infrastructure. So having everything as code. I was like, for this podcast, right, I was listening to a different talk uh, and the, uh, the person was like, in 100 years, I'm hoping we have something different from YAML. But YAML <laughs> is the best tool that we have right now. So we are stuck with it. 100 years, we're going to have to deal with YAML, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I was funny. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like YAML is the way we define our yeah. Kubernetes cluster. If you're like, think, if, for example, the cluster episode, that cluster API episode that we did, right? YAML is how we deploy uh, Kubernetes clusters as well. YAML is how we define our applications and we deploy it against our Kubernetes cluster. So everything is kind of, as you said, codified and uh, represented as a declarative infrastructure or a declarative stack. And I can push that into, which leads me to the second principle, version control system. And since we're talking about GitOps, it's Git. Like that's where we store all of these this information, all of the code. So, so let's say you have all your uh, code that you are maybe writing and updating on your laptop. You have a Git repo somewhere. Uh, once you are done and you're, you're happy, you did some local unit tests, you want to push it out, you do a Git push, you update your source control repository or your version control repository in Git, and then you run, kick off a bunch of CI pipelines. Like make sure Hold that on. you... Do you want to pause you there and say... Yeah. Um, and for those of you who maybe who might not be familiar with Git, right? I just want to do a quick... Mm -hmm. What is Git? Thing. Uh, Git is version control, and what we mean by that is it tracks changes in any set of files on uh, a local computer, and you can push those to 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 a service or a server where those files are continually tracked on the server side. So it coordinates sort of work among people. So if you're all working on a code base, you can track those files, submit those changes, merge mm -hmm. them together. Um, and it's a collaborative tool based around, um, you know, tracking changes in source code. So just wanted to let oh, yeah, No, thank you. Yeah, that was really helpful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then now, now you have things in version control, you have tested it out. And that's when you have the way to like push your changes to your uh, cluster. So uh, GitOps principle three and four. Uh, for third is approved changes can that can be automatically applied to your system. And then the fourth principle is software agents to ensure correctness and alert on diversion. So what this means is these are uh, push approaches and pull approaches. Push approach, what does that mean? You have, uh, in, in addition to your continuous integration, a CI, you have your continuous delivery or CD pipelines as well, where whenever a new 
branch is uh, or whenever a new code is merged into your uh, into your branch your main branch or whatever you're using for your uh, connecting to your kubernetes cluster something kicks uh, kicks out uh, like jenkins x or something like that will push the new changes to your kubernetes cluster and apply it against your kubernetes cluster or the other way around is pull changes you have uh, an, an agent uh, that this can be a flux agent argo cd you can have that running on your kubernetes cluster and it's continuously monitoring your git repo so whenever you have a new push to your git uh, repository it will basically download those changes apply it against your kubernetes cluster and make sure that whatever is running on your cluster exactly matches what you have in your git repository so that's a continuous loop that uh, so these agents do on your kubernetes cluster itself so those are kind of the four principles like entire system described declaratively uh, git is used as a single source of truth your approved changes are automatically applied to the system or software agents uh, are used to ensure correctness and alert on diversions yeah absolutely and i and i think you know for those listening if you go and look up like the principles of of GitOps, you're going to find, you know, essentially these four mm-hmm. uh, across the board, and it's generally agreed on what these things are. And I and I do want to to note here, personally, and I think it's useful to kind of think about is the first two, uh, declarative infrastructure and version control. These are things we've been doing a long time, right? These aren't new. GitOps didn't make them up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, GitOps to me is sort of those second two automated changes um, and change management using polar push based right automation right those that's that's definitely a big part of what GitOps is and then sort of the monitoring and reconciliation using the agents sort of um, to Mm -hmm. make sure that whatever is declared is remaining that way and if it changes is to, to let people know because you know ultimately that those those couple things at the end there are sort of the root i think to me what GitOps is and they solve real problems like like the problem of, um, you know, I've deployed something um, to, you know, in the past without GitOps and even maybe before DevOps, you deploy <laughs> something to a server and you're like, yeah, it's running there. After some time, you have no idea if that thing's changed, right? Yeah. If, <laughs> you know, um, you, you have nothing sort of keeping an eye on about what state it should be in even before sort of uh, infrastructure as code tools like Ansible where you could, you know, at least run every now and then to make sure things remain the same but that server can sort of mutate right and things mm-hmm. can change the cloud provider could um you know do updates under you and, and things could go wrong and and i think that was a real pain that you find being solved with these you know last few principles and i think you know if i were to focus on you know any two of these the first two are sort of necessities the last yep. two are, are really what make up Yep. And uh, as you said, right, things can change even with GitOps, like users have to be really careful. Like you, you, you cannot have, or you cannot claim that you're using GitOps. If after you do a Git push and your infrastructure has been reconciled, you go back through the UI and make some changes because that just breaks everything. Like that, those changes are not in your Git repository. Those are things that you modified uh, on your own. So if you are using this, uh, this methodology or this framework, as Ryan said, you have to use it through and through like you can't go and then make some manual changes through a ui because that's that won't be reflected in your git repo and then uh in the future let's say two months down the line you're like oh let me see what's running in my production environment and you open up the that git repo your repo won't match what's running on your kubernetes cluster so if you're using this make sure you keep away from making any manual changes on your cluster on your own 
Yeah, and and in a way, the infrastructure as code, what's defined in Git is sort of a type of documentation, right? Mm -hmm. And we, we said the term single source of truth a lot, but um, it, it solves a problem of not having things documented. You know, maybe you had a run book in the past that someone were to deploy an application and maybe they're an expert in it. So if they're on vacation and you go to that run book, you better hope it's accurate, right? Yep. And, and there's no missing documentation. But in, in a GitOps world, what's in the production is in code, right? You yep. know that that sort of consistency will always be there, whether anyone's on vacation or forgot to document something. It's literally running what's there. So um, <laughs> again, just a real problem, I think, that we've seen in the past, right, with just things like documentation, which is great. Yeah. Um, and I know we said we'd talk about tools and frameworks next, Bobbin, but I think but it probably makes sense to talk about the benefit of yes. you know, why do this, right? <laughs> so let's jump there. <laughs> no, like you you clearly listed out the first one, right? Like you know what's in your repo is the single source of truth. But I just want to add to that, right? This allows you to make sure that you can go back in your uh, history. Like you can see what's what was the state over the last couple of years, you can see what changes were merged. You can look at that code changes. Like Git becomes your thing where like everything that changed in production, you have a history for it. Like there, if you're not making any manual changes, all the changes are forced through that Git repo. So you can looking at your history or looking at your logs, you can figure out, okay, what changed? Maybe you joined as a new employee and you just wanted to see why things are the way they are. Uh, you can go back through your repo history and then you can find out what was merged and what changed. So uh, single source of truth, we can't emphasize it enough, right? That's that's a really important thing for you. Like uh, people can come and go. You can always rely on a repository uh, to to check what what's running and what was running before. Absolutely, um, and I think, and I think a, a next one that not a lot of people think about is sort of the improved security model of the mm -hmm. right. Git Git itself uh, uses sort of cryptography to manage changes and verify you know who made that change. That's something built into Git. When you do a Git push, it happens, right? You're you're authenticated, and and yep. um and and so Git provides these sort of strong sort of um, uh, I guess guarantees on what's correct and what isn't. Um, mm -hmm. and so that overall, I think when you have those guiding principles of Git built in, it sort of dramatically makes those CI systems um uh, harder to to be seen as sort of a, a big gaping hole of, of, um, uh, as a threat vector. Right. Um, yep. and I think that improves security, I think maybe isn't the first thing I even thought about with GitOps. It was everything else, but <laughs> I, I put it as the second one here because it is a big benefit. Yeah. And to add to that, right, there is a different perspective to improving your security posture or security model. Like definitely Git has everything. But what this means is what GitOps enables you is you don't have to share access to your Kubernetes cluster with all the developers. You can give them access to your repository and you can use the security mechanisms built into Git. But this means that you can own, you don't have to open up your permissions on your actual Kubernetes cluster. You can only give permissions to that repo and any changes that can be made comes from that repo. People. But other than that, your Kubernetes cluster is secure. It is its own thing. You handle all your permission. You can handle all your permissions in the Git repo and who can push changes and what changes can be pushed. And you can, the best part is you can approve these changes, right? Like if you don't like something, yeah. as the owner of the repo, you're like, nope, no, nope, decline or whatever uh, the, the term <laughs> is. But you, nope, declined. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so like it does help improve your organization's security posture because git is the only thing that's going that's supposed to make changes to your kubernetes cluster that way you can follow the principle of least privileges and have your git repo do all the work for you yeah and and that that also acts as a giant audit right yep. everyone pushing everyone pushing all your developers pushing to that instead of your kubernetes cluster you have an audit trail which also i think leads me to it simplifies application deployment for developers, right? Um, because they they have a standard process for making changes, and mm-hmm. when they've when they've updated their code base and you know run through sort of the CI to build um, to build their image and changed you know um, anything about how the application actually runs, they push it to Git. It gets reviewed, and if all is well. It deploys to the 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 clusters, the target cluster, whether that be dev, test, um, sort of in a very consistent and common way, right? And I think um, for developers, it, it makes a big difference when they kind of know a standard way that they have to interact. And um, and I know um, this from experience of of working with many different Kubernetes clusters directly. Maybe they're different versions of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. If you're interacting with them specifically, well, maybe this this YAML doesn't work with that cluster, right? Because, yep. um, you know, it's on, it's running a different version or that cloud doesn't support that thing. Well, well, their interaction will sort of, should obfuscate a lot of that and mm-hmm. the CI, CD systems and sort of pipelines to get it deployed should manage, you know, those types of things and or the review process in general. Yeah, and like simplified application development, right? Like it's simple to say like, okay, the, the process is easy, but it has real benefits. Like it increases your developer's productivity. Like it in- increases the speed with which you can push out code. It enhances the overall developer experience that you have inside your organization. So GitOps has those unrealized benefits that you might only see in like, maybe six months or a year, you won't see it day one. But like once you build that philosophy or you build or adopt that framework inside your organization, you will see these real benefits show up. So, uh, and and I want to go back to your audit log, like in the security model discussion, sure. like, yes, like we, we want to do uh, blameless uh, post-ops, uh, post-mortems, but uh, that gives me a list of like, okay, who who messed up? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> or what well, messed Bob up, sorry. Really wants the who, no? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who should I be blaming in a blameless postmortem? Like, who should I be giving that look? <laughs> no. uh, hopefully, uh, a lot, hopefully, a group of people that can look back at what went wrong, right? You know, yep. from from who delivered it to who reviewed it. I mean, there's there's always multiple hands in play, but yeah, yeah I yeah. mean, it's a big part of it, and ultimately, all these things should lead to, um, you know, done right should lead to faster things. Mm-hmm. In production, meaning going from development to production when you have these things in play. And I know it sounds easy to say, right? There are a lot yeah. of moving pieces and it does take some getting used to, you know, making your, you know, having your developers interact with your systems this way, especially if they're, you know, um, used to interacting directly with clusters. It, it can be a change. But again, this is why I think going back to a change in culture and org yeah. is definitely part of that education process, it's not just rolling out new technology. Yep. Um, that, that that never really works. You have to definitely <laughs> adopt, adopt, you know, the mindset being a, in a DevOps model already helps, right? And and being a Kubernetes shop and adopting uh, GitOps is is always going to be, I think, a good place to to start. But um, I think- And, and a majority of developers 
if not yeah. all like 100% should be familiar with git like that's how they should be writing <laughs> yeah. code i think that's what they teach us in school <laughs> like this so is how you maintain with them yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so this experience <laughs> yeah yeah so this, this shouldn't be a, 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 a something really different or really drastic for them right like they should be familiar with how git works this is just taking that to the next step and actually taking it to production so yeah it it does help with like making sure it's the the process is overall simply simpler absolutely and and from an ops standpoint the correctness and sort of consistency of of that code base mm-hmm. it is very very helpful right not re- not having to rely on things that used to work in the past but yep. may or may not work it, it is what's working right now mm-hmm. right um and and having that sort of ability to to you know make sure that that is consistent across the board and having everyone uh, do it that way i think this works the best and on this topic is this works the best if everyone uses this model right yep not like hey we're going to tell this group of developers to do it this way but then we have these like special devopsy people who can touch who have superpowers uh, who have admin access and yeah. touch the cluster directly it doesn't work as well that nope. way right we definitely yeah. have to think about it from from the point of view so i i think we covered a I think the benefits we wanted to talk about with GitOps, um, maybe it makes sense to talk about a push-pull model and then we'll dive into tools before we tell people where to get started. Yeah, and uh, so like uh, just one thing on the benefits part, right? As you said, like you shouldn't have uh, people who have access to your Kubernetes cluster and make changes. You don't. You shouldn't have super users, uh, because we. The whole point of GitOps, the whole point of DevOps, is to move towards a model where you're not figuring out what exact kernel modules and what exact packages run on your uh, production environment and then try to troubleshoot that either in real time or you are trying to mimic the environment and replicate it uh, in a in a testing environment to to update or 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 fix things or do root cause analysis you should just rely on on git to push changes to your Kubernetes cluster. And if the, if the latest change broke something, there is a Git rollback. Like you can roll it back. Whatever worked in the past, like whatever worked an hour yeah. b- before should work again. So like, again, I can't, I don't know. I, I'm not selling it enough. Like it's, this will bring you real value. Even though I'm, I don't work for a vendor that sells GitOps. It's just, <laughs> this is, this is something that can uh, help the ecosystem a lot by just adopting these principles and getting these benefits. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, so push-pull, we've used these terms, and I, I know you explained it a little bit, but I think it's probably worth sort of diving into um, what push-pull really means and, and what the differences are. So I guess um, I'll give a, a stab at sort of the, mm-hmm. the push-based model and, and, and push-based, uh, yeah. uh, pull-based, and then you can kind of add to it. Um so with push-based, and the name helps, right, mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in this terminology. And if you know Git, push and pull should also be very familiar terminologies. Um, it's usually a deployment strategy that's sort of implemented in CI/CD, right? So with tools like Jenkins, uh, Travis CI, Circle CI, um, source code sort of for the application lives there. All the YAML to, de- to deploy applications or configure what you need to configure lives there. Um, and that build pipeline that we're used to with CI/CD is um, triggered which ultimately builds container images and and finally deploys um the um uh, the actual yaml files to the clusters from um the the cicd tooling meaning that it's pushing the 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 changes from the git repo and cicd to the cluster it's it's applying them if you're familiar with kubectl right it's kind of like saying kubectl apply 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this happens sort of in that sort of build pipeline. And uh, so that's my, I guess my definition and I'll, and I'll let you add to it. Cause I know you probably have something to add to it. Um, and then sort of the push based model is a different strategy, meaning that, um, it's, it's the same concepts that are, are sort of, I just talked about with push based, mm-hmm. but it's different in how that pipeline actually works. Meaning that, you know, traditional CICD pipeline is, uh, triggered externally. Um, whereas uh, a pull-based environment is sort of an agent that lives and observes changes to a repo, meaning that um, when a change is approved and, and put into Git, it'll say, oh, look, the state of this thing needs to change. I've recognized that. And as my agent in the environment and say in a Kubernetes cluster, it will take that and um, make sure that change is then um, matched sort of that desired state is matching actual state in the cluster, meaning it pulls that change into the cluster. Um, and that it's, it's again, a lot of the same tools are going to be used, but um, the, the end state of that first one, the push model pushes it to the cluster and applies it versus the end state of the pull model is you, you've made the change in Git and your agent takes over. Yep. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, I, I think I, I can't do any, any, I can't <laughs> add anything to that, but uh, just uh, one thing, right? Like it, it will be different set of tools. Like you might use, be using something like Jenkins X uh, and Circle CI as, as Ryan mentioned to use the push model, but the pull model will be something like a Flux CD or an Argo CD thing where you have a, uh, uh, an operator and a custom resource running on your Kubernetes cluster. So like that will be the first step, right? Like uh, you, you will need that agent to be running on your Kubernetes cluster. And then once it's up and running, you have linked it to your Git repo. It will, it will follow that uh, reconciliation loop and make sure that whatever changes are approved and merged are reflected on your Kubernetes cluster as well. So different set of tools. Uh, again, there is, like personally, we don't have any preference. Uh, something that you you want to use in your organization, go for it. Just follow the the, the methodology or the framework, and you will get the, these benefits. Yep. Yeah, and and I think a key differentiator with the push and pull is that you know push only applies things when that external event happens that that pipeline yeah. is triggered, um, versus when you have an agent sort of looking at a repo, it'll always make sure that desired state. A lot like you know it worked with things like Puppet and Ansible, you had agents mm-hmm. sort of looking at you know things and applying into the servers. Everything ever changed. Like if NTP gets changed or if someone yeah. does it, it'll it'll go fix that. And and it, in pull based, it does the same thing. It no, doesn't need and I think to- one of the things, uh, like before we talk about the tools, right? One of the things that we didn't cover uh, is secrets. Like you shouldn't be pushing actual secrets or you shouldn't be storing credentials in your Git repo. Uh, that is a gotcha. So make sure that while you are looking at GitOps, right? Use something like a HashiCorp vault or some key management system or some credential management system where you can store your uh, credentials and so store your secrets. So whenever your uh, change gets approved or, or merged, and your uh, Flux operator maybe is or Flux uh, resources uh, agent is trying to reconcile things, it's not uh, like actually pulling uh, plain text credentials. It is using something like a key management system to have yeah. that on your Kubernetes cluster. So that is something that's not covered by GitOps today. So make sure you have a strategy for it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, let's switch gears and talk about some of the tools and frameworks that um, are probably, if you look GitOps up, you're going to find. Um, the first one I want to talk about is Weaveworks. Um, their their sort of agent and, and uh, framework is based around Flux and and mm-hmm. sort of their, they were very early on in the GitOps days. It's going to be one of the getting started guides that we suggest, right? Weaveworks is definitely one of those ones where 
um, is definitely a great place for information and education mm-hmm. around what GitOps is and how to you know really get started and get out get your feet uh, wet with the whole process. Um, um, Flux is actually part of sort of what you'll find in uh, the WeaveWorks information. Um, I, trying to find a good um, sort of definition for Flux. Let me. I didn't write one down here. Okay. Uh, but like <laughs> just, just to list tools. of tools right uh while, while you do that like vworks i think that they were the ones that coined the term gitops and they run these gitops cons uh on a on a i think annual basis or maybe a six-month basis so you'll always find a good amount of information good amount of customer use cases that are coming and talking at those conferences so in addition to the tools they also have a lot of resources that you can go and learn more about this topic and see how it you can actually implement it in your kubernetes cluster but they have things like like weave GitOps score which is like a free and open source continuous delivery product that can that you can use to run your apps in kubernetes they also have like a cloud offering called weave cloud which gives you that experience it gives you workflows it gives you a dashboard um, Argo CD, right? Uh, like that—that's a—that's a—that was a really successful uh, open source project. Uh, I know Intuit supported a lot of it or had people dedicated working on that project. Uh, I know a couple of people who were working in Intuit. They basically left Intuit and started their own company called Acuity, and they are basically. Uh, offering an enterprise version of Argo CD, but still contributing back. So there is like a startup now in the ecosystem that is maintaining Argo CD as a project with some venture funding. Absolutely. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. And and switching back to Flux, both, yeah. both Flux and Argo CD, and I don't know about any of the other ones we're talking about, are CNCF <laughs> projects. Yep. I, I think they're both incubating. Um, but Flux is that sort of observability portion of that we talked about earlier in sort of mm-hmm. um, how GitOps works, right? It's that thing that sits in your environment that observes your Git repo. And essentially, you, you make changes to the Git repo, and Flux will... Um, look at that, make changes all based on that. And there's a whole bunch of sort of secondary tools that um, are sort of involved with the Flux, Flux projects around, you know, uh, Git and um, security and, and canary deployments, those kind of things that mm-hmm. you can kind of dive into. Uh, but there's a lot out there. We're not going to dive into each one of them. CodeFresh has a bunch of uh, tools and frameworks and, and things you can do with Git, GitOps. Um, mm-hmm. One I mentioned earlier in the show was GitLab. GitLab has a whole bunch of uh, features uh, that have been sort of behind their paywall, but until today, I guess, or yeah. 15.3, some of them are free. So that pull-based model, I believe, is now free um, with it. Harness, I haven't done much of that with my uh, with that myself, um, but I know it's another tool out there. Uh, and WeWorks has a really good repo um, at github.com slash WeWorks slash awesome dash GitOps, um, which has a whole bunch of uh, tools and information around a lot of what we talked about today and is a great place to start. So yep. that's, and then, <laughs> that's a great next step, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and then try, tying it back, right? Like the, something that we covered in the news section of this podcast was an article that lists all the different tools. There is a CICD section, like they list Argo and then other CICD tools that are hosted by CNCF include 
things like flux which we spoke about brigade captain open gitops open crew so there are different options available you can learn more about these try it out see if it works for you and yeah get started yeah exactly and the the links that we'll we'll put into where to get started with gitops are really um all around argo cd and weaveworks there are mm-hmm. going to be others out there if you look into this these are just ones that i've gone through the weaveworks myself so i know that you know that's yeah. a, a good experience so i can recommend it i haven't done the argo cd one but i know you know it being involved with cncf uh, and i've i've heard a lot about it a lot of good things about it argo cd.com read the docs.io there's a really good getting started there as well so we'll include all those links where you can get your hands on um uh you know uh started uh with github so yeah there I, is like uh, uh, uh I, while i was doing my research as well right just making sure that i'm representing what's latest and greatest i also came across this cool youtube channel called the devops toolkit i know nice. i think it's run by victor yeah he does a great job like he has a like he he does a lot of kubernetes things but he has a specific playlist for gitops and uh, he talks about argo he talks about flux he talks about uh, his experience with them as well so if you're looking for more resources in addition to what ryan mentioned uh, that I, i would recommend that youtube channel as well pulling up to mickey d's just for drinks oh yeah that's me nothing extra just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block because there are drinks then there are drinks from McDonald's mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49 perfect with our classic fries price and participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer ba da ba 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 yeah absolutely so you know we're, we're going to wind the show down here i think you know my my big takeaways for this you know gitops topic is is really trying to understand the those principles right yeah. uh, everything is described declaratively uh everything is inversioned in git um which shows the desired state uh, which gives you a whole bunch of benefits right those things two things again we've been doing for a long time number three is that um you know approved changes can be automatically applied to the system again through push or pull mechanisms uh, both work in GitOps. Um, you know, I think pull is definitely, I think, becoming more popular with yeah. things like operators and Kubernetes and things like that. And then lastly, right, those software agents that make a big difference that sort of run and keep an eye on that desired state, it's that actual state to make sure it matches the desired state, right? Really kind of understanding those four principles and where, um, where in sort of the stack each thing sort of has a play in your your infrastructure um and once you kind of understand that i think it makes a lot of sense why this makes a lot of sense yep yeah and j- just to add my takeaways right like uh yeah if you follow these principles benefits will include things like you have a single source of truth uh, you have a log you have an audit log you can see all the different changes that were made to your kubernetes cluster or your application so that's one key benefit you get an improved security model so uh, you can follow least privileged model for your kubernetes cluster you can use permissions inside git who can merge code who can approve code uh, and that's what gets pushed to your kubernetes cluster it increases your developer experience or enhances your developer experience increases productivity simplifies the overall process and it makes sure that there is consistency right like what is in your repo is what's supposed to be on your kubernetes cluster so uh, i think that's 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 me right like that's my uh, four key benefits that i get from using gitops as a framework 
Absolutely. And uh, for those listening, you know, hopefully you found this useful. If you're new to GitOps, hopefully we covered, you know, enough to really have you a little more comfortable with the topic of what GitOps is and how it became to be. Um, But, you know, that's it for the today's show. And I do want to encourage, you know, our listeners to reach out to us, you know, review us. Um, You know, we had a listener reach out on on LinkedIn the other day and, and, and kind of, you know, appreciate the show and also suggest a topic that's perfect. That's exactly mm-hmm. what we're sort of the type of feedback we're looking for. Um, you know, we're excited to hear about what you want to hear about uh, and hopefully we can find the right people to talk about those things. So please encouraging you to message and or view us wherever you consume your podcast and or on social media. Um, the next podcast we have coming up is going to be talking about Kafka. So lots of cool stuff. Uh, if you're kind of involved with Kafka, use message cues. This will probably be a good episode for you. Um, but with that, that brings us to the end of today's episode. I'm Ryan. I'm Pavin. And thanks for joining another episode of Kubernetes Bytes. Thank you for listening to the Kubernetes Bytes podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.